All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you as always by the 2023 Toyota BZ4X. The BZ4X is Toyota's brand new all-electric SUV that is designed to go the distance for you and your family. The BZ4X is packed with Toyota's coolest tech but it still has that trusty SUV feel you know and love and even though it's electric it's capable of effortlessly conquering any terrain whether it's rain snow mud or your friends questionable post-game recaps the bz4x will get you through it all my name is david quadrelli that is harman dial we are in the process of getting new backgrounds for our home studios and this is canucks conversation and it is a big big game tonight harm it's the battle of the two best teams in the nhl a cup preview a cup rematch whatever you want to call it the vancouver canucks are in boston to take on the bruins in a matter of hours so for those of you on the youtube live chat let this serve as a bit of a pregame and for those of you who are listening to it on podcast later you're gonna see how our takes hold up how you doing today harm doing great i'm jacked up for uh for this game it always feels like so it's funny last year when there were the rumors about horvat going to get traded a Boston came up as a team that could be a possible destination for Bo and I had honestly thought look it's been so long since 2011 I know Canucks fans don't like the Bruins but I didn't think that there'd be many people that would have had problems or issues with Bo going to Boston and I said that last year on the VanCast and then I had a <laughs> bunch of Canucks fans adding me on uh on Twitter saying no we we don't want to see Bo go to Boston so it reminded me how much Canucks fans still hate the Bruins, uh, even even 13 years later now. 
I mean, man, you 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 watch kind of what's going on in the market, right? Canucks are good again, but when they face the Bruins, like people still care. People still really care. And you know, I was watching some highlights of 2011. I don't know why I do this to myself, but I was watching some highlights. I guess you'd call them lowlights of 2011 and that cup final. And man, like I know Boston had some things going for them and stuff, but it really felt like that was one that the Canucks could have won. And you just like, you know, there's the Daniel Sedin with the getting speed bagged by Brad Marchand, just all those horrible, horrible moments to look back on. Canucks fans still care, man. And man, Boston could really use a guy like Bo Horvat right now because, as you said yesterday, center depth in Boston ain't good for the playoffs. And you came in with another hot take today, and I think we'll have to get to it in anyone else because we'll try to preview the game in the first segment. But a take we're going to get to from you later, I really want to hear you talk about this, is you came in and just said everybody in the East are frauds. So we'll park that because that sounds like a quads take, and I can't wait to hear you uh, explain it further and for us to get into it. But let's talk about the Boston Bruins. Let's talk about the Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks. Harm, I want to start today by talking about the hug, the hug, the non-hug heard around the world when at the All-Star game, Thatcher Demko refused to hug Bruins goaltender Jeremy Swayman. Demko looked like he was the only All-Star goaltender that refused the hug. Really looked like a bit of an a-hole as uh, when we talked to Kevin Woodley about it. It probably didn't have much to do with, oh yeah, he looked at the Bruins sweater. And as Swayman said today at Morning Skate, and we've got the clip here, uh, Demko apologized and gave him his hug today. Oh, no, he's a very good guy. And, uh... No, it was awesome. It was a great group of goalies there, and we had a great time, a lot of good memories. So no hockey, black, bad blood there? I never played against him, so yeah. uh, we didn't have that. Morning skate, I said, you want a hug? You did? I, yeah. <laughs> he was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, he came up to me the next day, and he's like, Sway, I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, he just didn't see, I guess, and I was laughing. It was like, totally cool, but there's still love. We, he's a good guy, so we had a good Yeah. Had a good chat, they said. Um... Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, do you have any flaming hot takes? Because I saw some people being like, I hate this. Like, oh, you know, I hate it. Don't give them any bulletin board material. I love it. I love that Jadev going out to give them a hug ahead of this game. Well, this whole thing is just silly. I, I can't believe that Bruins fans were salty about this. And, and come on, like, knowing Thatcher a little bit, he's just, as Woodley kind of said uh, the other day when we had him on as a guest, he's just not the type to play along with non-serious things uh, at times and the reaction from Bruins fans was just unbelievable so yeah I'm with you it's a smart move by Demko to make sure you don't give him any bulletin board material and just kind of smooth things over no need to unnecessarily create um, rivalries or get people amped up but this whole thing is so silly it's funny too seeing before the actual clips came out on Twitter just seeing the tweets coming out of Boston and the amount of engagement they were getting, people reporting on this like it was an actual serious news <laughs> story. Like I'm pulling up a Jimmy Murphy tweet where it's like Bruins goalie Jeremy Swayman just told reporters that Canucks goalie Thatcher Demko apologized for the hug slight at the All-Star game and offered him a hug this morning at Boston Hockey Now. And it's like the tweets got two and a half thousand likes and nearly a quarter of a million views. Like, what are we talking about? What's going on here? And and I get it. Like, I would tweet the same thing if I was in that situation. But I just can't believe this, such a small, silly thing became such a huge story. Harm, I was going to save this because I do the year-end recap. Like, I go through the most read stories of the season. And then at the end of the calendar year, I go through the most read stories 
of the calendar year. And I think you know where I'm going with this. But on All-Star Weekend, I think I told you this already, but I'm going to tell the listeners too. On All-Star Weekend, that happened. It was late at night and I texted Mike Gould, who does kind of those quick hits, those little, you know, quick little articles like that for us. Um, I asked him to write an article about it. He goes, this may be the dumbest thing I've ever written, but yeah, I sent it in. Publishes at eight o'clock. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll check it in the morning. I check it in the morning. And the amount of traffic that was going to CanucksArmy.com because of that article was ridiculous. And I think it's I think it's 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 in the top five of all time most read articles on Canucks Army. Uh, and it might it, it probably will finish the year as the number one read article on Canucks, like in the history of Canucks Army. And this this site's been around since 2009. Had a lot of great content on it. But this is this is what I always tell people is like people say like oh you should you shouldn't run this you shouldn't even bother with this. Okay, well, we spend hours writing these long analytics pieces. People don't read them. And then we put out, oh, yeah, this happened. This hug thing happened. And you get all the casual fans, man. You're getting all the casual fans to check it out. And the numbers are ridiculous. No, it's a good change of pace from what you guys normally talk about it. And whether people want to agree with it or not, it was news. Now, it may have been a little tummy sticks. And sure, Demko just didn't want any part of it. But like, this is the world we live in nowadays where stuff like that goes viral. And I think there's only one way to solve this little beef, let's call it. You need Roberto Luongo and Thatcher Demko in a tag team matchup against Tim Thomas and Jeremy Swayman. And shout out to Frankie Corrado and Wyatt Arnett because they were the one that kind of got me onto that idea. I think it would be just electric. It would be electric. I that's that's a summer content idea of who would be the best tag teams that you would want to see formed in the NHL, uh, former and current NHLers. Who would be the best tag teams? I Maybe mean, we'll get to that in anyone else. But uh, let's keep moving on with our game. Or sorry, you had something to say. I I know no, you're interested to say something. I was just gonna say. I guess it's apparently Demko's job to pump Swayman's tires. Oh jeez. That you know what, Harm? That's a really good point of why Demko did the right thing in kind of you know making amends there this morning as Swayman Swayman talked about you don't want to give them bulletin board material you do not want to do it someone should go measure Jeremy Swayman's pads next and then ask him (laughs) if he's gonna go camp out in a bunker underground somewhere all right uh Thatcher Demko can make history tonight we touched on it yesterday Uh, he can beat you guessed it Dan Kluche uh his record for most wins in a row by a Canucks goaltender. If he picks up the victory tonight against the Boston Bruins, Harm, what are you looking for in this game tonight? Well, one thing that struck me about the Bruins this year that caught me a little bit off guard as I was sort of looking under the hood um, of their team performance so far this season is that their defensive play has taken a bit of a drop off. You look at some of the underlying metrics and they're pretty soft. They they rank 18th in shots against, 13th of 5-5 five and five expected goals against. So they're a middle-of-the-pack defensive team, which you wouldn't expect because year in, year out, the Bruins have been this elite, consistently top-five defensive team in a lot of those categories. Plus, they're still second place in the NHL. So I was thinking, oh, I'm expecting them to still be sound. Their blue line, of course, is still intact. Um probably the strongest part of their roster and and you know they get good saves so you figure that a lot of it comes down to the environment but they haven't been quite as tight defensively this year which I think is interesting and presents an opportunity for for the Canucks 
And it's part of the reason why I don't buy the Bruins among like the top five teams or so that have the best shot at winning a Stanley Cup this year. Because I look at their defensive form slipping. And of course, part of that is you lose a two-way defensive stud like Patrice Bergeron, even though he's a forward, it's going to affect your some of your defensive results at five on five. But you look at that, those slipping defensive results, the center depth, but even also how their forward group as a whole looks. I'm not the biggest fan. Yeah, they've got Pasternak, they've got Marchand, but... Look at their left wing depth, for example. After Marshan, they have Van Riemsdyk playing as, playing in a second line role and Danton Heinen in, in a third line role. Like that's not something that really gets you uh, excited. Uh, and of course, on the right wing as well, massive to have Postnock. But even after that, DeBrusque has been struggling. He's been up and down this year. Um, Frederick's not bad for a third line role, but even 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 though we've spoken about their center depth not being that strong, they aren't even that strong on the wing. So. The Bruins, to me, are a team that their blue line's pretty good. They've been getting a ton of saves this year, and really the goaltending is is one of their biggest strengths at this point. They have one of the best tandems in the NHL. But And, and I know I'm sort of changing the conversation from the, the game to bigger picture, the Bruins, and going into the playoffs, what it could mean. Um, but I'm just not that high on Boston and heading into this game. My biggest takeaway is that I think Vancouver on paper is a better team than Boston. I like it. I like it. And that'll be reflected in our uh, Betway bet of the day. We had a comment there. I think his name was Chris. Can you flash it back up here, Grady, uh, from the Facebook comment section? Yeah, I really don't want a Vancouver versus Bruins Stanley Cup final. I don't know if I can handle it again. That one from Chris Stoner. Uh, Chris, thank you for the contribution. And yeah, Harm, like... I, I think it's a good point that the Bruins aren't as good as maybe their record would reflect. Uh, you're not predicting uh, Canucks versus Bruins Stanley Cup final, it sure sounds like. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised. I mean, it's not impossible, but I just don't think the Bruins get out of the um, East, although part of what I was going to say when I said the whole Eastern Conference is full of frauds is that I... I have these takes about the Bruins and not really believing in them, but the only two teams that I really believe in as true bona fide cup contenders in the East are Florida and Carolina. So it's like, if if I only like two teams, then I guess Boston still has somewhat of a shot to, you know, at least win a round or two just because the rest of the rest of the conference isn't nearly as strong. Like I don't believe in Toronto. I think the Rangers have had a good record and they could go deep if Shosturkin gets hot but I've even seen some some of the private analytics that they're the worst team in the NHL at preventing rush chances and Kevin Woodley spoke Mm -hmm. about how the Rangers haven't been as tight defensively as um as you'd expect and I mean I'm not really buying Tampa especially now that they've lost Sergachev for a long time really unfortunate to see his injury there um and that's why I mean the West on the other hand, you look at it and you're like Vancouver, you got Colorado, Dallas is such a deep team, top to bottom. You got Vegas, Winnipeg looks good this year, Edmonton. Like the West has many more teams that I think are true Stanley Cup contenders than the East. Hell, you even look at the teams that have been underperforming in the West, like LA. LA would be where would they be in the conversation in the East? And of course, I know they've underperformed. And I know I know they employ Pierre Luc Dubois, so they've made some mistakes, but. Man, like the West is pretty loaded, especially when you compare it to the East, which is interesting because I feel like for most of my life, uh, it's kind of been the other way around. So 
Uh, your favorites are Florida and Carolina. I find that interesting. I, I do. I, I find it interesting. I, I think you're right, especially with Florida, what we saw them do in the playoffs last year. I just don't know. Like, you, you almost think about it in the sense of, okay, we, we the Bruins are there every year. Like, the Bruins are in the playoff conversation every single year. They get stunned last year after their historically great season. Like, you have to wonder how badly they're itching to just get back into the playoffs and, you know, you know, what it takes to win and all that sort of stuff. And obviously they're not going to be the favorites as they were last year. I just wonder how all of that plays in because the playoffs are a different beast. And of course we know that. Um, okay. Do you have anything else about tonight's game before we get into our anyone else segment here? Cause I got a lot for anyone else. I've been, I've been collecting headlines. Yeah. I'm quickly looking through. I don't think there's a ton. Again, my biggest takeaway has just been, I think, especially now that the Canucks have acquired Elias Lindholm, to me, the Canucks are the better team than Boston, which I'm shocked to to say. I'm not somebody that says that um, lightly. I'm not somebody that will just hop on the Canucks bandwagon and be a homer. Like I objectively just see it when I compare the teams and I look at center depth. I look at just the overall forward groups and and the goaltending and blue lines being relatively close, uh, especially with the year Thatcher Demko's having. Vancouver's to me the better team on paper plus 60 goal differential for the Vancouver Canucks obviously that is the best in the NHL but second place is Boston with 42 plus 42 are the Boston Bruins so um yeah I I have to agree with you and obviously I'm the homer that'll say that no matter what but but where did you actually rank the Canucks like like how far back were they of the Bruins before the Lindholm trade they would have been rel- relatively close, I think, because before the Lindholm trade, the top six, yes, v- Vancouver had some finishers in Pedersen and Miller and Besser, but I'd made the point before that if Pedersen or Miller had just one off night, um, that entire line wouldn't go because even somebody like a Brock Besser, while he scores a lot of goals, he's not somebody that's driving play. He doesn't have the dynamic ability to to create chances on his own. And so going into a playoff matchup, especially in the West where you have a lot of good two-way centers, you run into a series against a team like Vegas, for for example, and you saw how William Carlson could shut down the McDavid line. And now there was so much pressure on the rest of uh, uh, Edmonton's forward lines, or uh, even I'm thinking back to LA, um, you know, even though they're not that, they're not a, a super imposing team, they've still got, somebody like Philip Deneau who remains one of the best defensive centers. So that was a concern to me, but now that you add Lindholm, that's a key, key difference maker because it gives you another piece. I think that can, um, especially on the wing in more of a secondary role, as opposed to being the guy who needs to drive play on his own. He makes a difference difference there. And I think elevates the Canucks top six to another level. Okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, let's get to our four wins light the lamp contest, which man, my picks lately just in everything have been absolute money. I have to say, all right, got to fix my script. Had to fix it. Guess who the last time the Canucks played on a Thursday was, it was the Arizona coyotes. I'll tell you, you don't have to try to guess it was the coyotes. Yeah. But now it's different because Vancouver is playing Boston tonight and we want to know who's going to score the first goal for Vancouver. If you nail it, you could win a $25 gift card to the four wins tap room located at 72nd and river road in Delta Enter by following us on social media. Keep an eye out for today's show clip and comment who you think will light the lamp and score the first goal tonight. 
winners will be contacted directly. Check us out at Canucks Army or at Canucks Convo on Twitter, at CanucksArmy.com on Instagram, and Canucks Army on Facebook. And make sure you ask about Four Winds Light Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered to your front door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. Okay, Harm, who's your pick tonight to score the first goal? I'm just going to ride with whoever you say your vibes have been on point right now. So, but you can't, you can't sewer me this time. Last time I did that, you went with Noah Juleson. Brian Choi in the YouTube live chat also threw out Juleson. He's going <laughs> Juleson first goal as a Canucks tonight. Book it. I love it. I am going to say Ilya Mikheyev. I thought he played really well last game. I think Ilya Mikheyev scores the first goal for Vancouver tonight i'm also interested to see kind of that matchup like that matchup who boston kind of hones in on because obviously last game we saw it be uh that lindholm line and marty said back saying miller marty make sure you put it on the show clip when it's posted penny you as well penny said hoaglander you got to put it on the show clip folks that'll be out uh shortly after the show that's how you win the contest but i like to hear people's picks i like to hear people's picks okay got a bit of an ad break here so bear with me folks because i got to get through about three ads right here and then Harmon's is gonna have uh doordash as we get into our anyone else segment who do we got here first oh baby we got to tell you about hsbc world rugby sevens that is western canada's largest sporting event this year is the ninth time the event has visited vancouver as part of the world rugby seven series tickets are on sale now at vansevens.com starting from just 40 dollars per day it's a three-day event folks february 23rd to 25th bc place is going to be the place to be grab your friends grab your best costumes gonna be a lot of fun if you want to go we've got a four pack of tickets for the entire weekend to give away text hashtag sevens that's s-e-v-e-n-s to 778-402-9680 for your chance to win we'll be giving away a four pack each week until the event text hashtag sevens to 778-402-9680 in order to enter and folks on the podcast you can enter as well so don't be shy get in there get in there another thing you want to get in on if you want i keep losing i won that one week so i'll hang my hat on that but it's been tough sledding for me in the Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool game. Shots on goal, goals against average, and points per game can make or break your week, but don't overlook BPMM. Wendy's Bacon Portobello Mushroom Melt. Sure, it may not help you win weekly prizes with Wendy's and Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool Fantasy, but unlike your predictions, it never disappoints. So try your luck, but don't push it because the Bacon Portobello Mushroom Melt is only back for a limited time. If you miss it, you won't get a second chance. Sign up for Daily Faceoff Survivor Fantasy today, sponsored by Wendy's and the Wendy's app. And while you're playing Wendy's and while you're watching the Canucks, you're going to want something to drink. I got a suggestion for you. Seagram's VO Select Canadian Whiskey. Artfully blended and impeccably crafted. Make it your very own. Originally introduced back in the early 1900s, Seagram's VO was designed as a wedding gift from Joseph E. Seagram for his son. Joseph E. Seagram liked it so much, he put it out on the market, and the rest was history. Seagram's VO went on to become one of the most successful whiskeys to ever come from Canada. Seagram's VO Select is currently available in select BC liquor stores, so visit Seagram's VO Select on the BC Liquor Store's website to purchase or find it in your nearest liquor store. My family's very own whiskey. Barrel-aged and set apart. Marked with VO, artfully blended impeccably crafted as a wedding gift to my son for the bride and groom and now over a century later from our very own family to yours a legacy rooted in whiskey 
Seagram's VO, growing deeper, reaching out, raising a glass to your legacy. Seagram's VO, make it your very own. All right, folks, it's time for Anyone Else, presented by DoorDash. It's our listeners' chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat, and it's also our listeners' chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and, and enter code NATION25. Offer valid in Canada, sub, subject to change, terms apply. Okay, we've got a lot here. I've got a lot. I have a lot here. So much. So much harm. Uh, I, I was collecting little things around. I'm going to start with the Coyotes. I, I have a few things I want to bring up. The Coyotes is the one. We brought it up with Frank yesterday, and I wanted to get to this. It's just embarrassing at this point. Pull up this tweet here, Grady, that they, they tweeted out last night. And Look, the Coyotes as a whole are embarrassing. Obviously, their whole situation is very embarrassing for the league. They're literally just a place to go dump salary cap. It's it, 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 it's awful. Um. You can't even, like, I, I was trying to think of a situation even similar to them. And, like, obviously the baseball equivalent would be the Oakland A's, right? But even the Oakland A's, like, the Oakland A's don't spend money. The Coyotes are trying not to spend money, but then they're finagling the salary cap. And it's, there, there's no other team like it. As far as I as far as far I know, like, I was looking at it, no other team like it. And pull that tweet back up here, Great, I'm going to read it for the folks on the podcast so they can hear it. This is what the Coyotes tweeted out last night in response, you'd assume, to what Marty Walsh was saying about how, look, they don't even have a plan yet. So once they have a plan, how long is it going to be until shovels are actually in the ground? Of course, on construction of a new arena, they've got no plan. This is what Arizona tweeted out. We have every intention of staying in Arizona and bringing a Stanley Cup to this great state. So much love for all of you supporting us. We can't let you all down. Hashtag Yotes forever. I mean, no disrespect when I say this. Well, maybe I do a little bit. But, like, it feels like they have, like, a 12-year-old girl running their social media account. Like, <laughs> it's bad. It's bad, man. It's, it's very bad. It's, it's this weird, like, oh, you know, we believe in you. You believe in us. I'm just, like, come on. It, it's embarrassing at this point. Somebody floated that it might be the owner's kid. Well, no. Okay, so I have that. I have that written down. It was our okay. guy, Mike Gould, who for yeah, some reason right. keeps a very close Shout eye on the Mike. Coyotes. He <laughs> pointed out that some of the tweets are coming from the owner's son. This was seemingly confirmed by the ex-Coyotes employee that responded to Mike's tweet saying with, with the eye, eye emoji or whatever, which, hey, that's we've, we've seen former Canucks employees throw that out there as well. A little nice way to uh, confirm stuff without confirming it. Of course. Uh, but yeah, like the owner's son is t making tweets from that. Like, come on, it's so embarrassing. The whole the whole operation is just embarrassing. It's it's not okay. It can't continue for the NHL. And I just come on. Like it's it's brutal. Well, imagine imagine one of Francesco's kids tweeting from the Canucks account from their fifty thousand dollar computers. <laughs> Sorry, I just had Carmen, to what were you gonna say? Well, I just think it's funny that the original tweet speaks about bringing a stanley cup back to the state of arizona it's like how about you bring an arena back an hl caliber arena to the state of arizona i mean this has been going on for so long and the sad part is i actually think that with the right ownership group and if you built an arena in the right place you could yeah. make the phoenix market work yeah. but i've been there i, I covered a game bef right before they'd gone to mullet arena uh, when they were still out in Glendale, Glendale's like a 45 minute drive um, uh, away from Tempe, Scottsdale area. 
it's way out there. Imagine if Downtown. the Canucks play, played out of a rink that was f- like 45 minutes out of Vancouver. Right? Langley, Langley Event Center. Yeah, and yeah. there's there's enough sponsorships down there. There's enough, you know, retirees, um, general sports fans. You've got to get the rink downtown, you know, have people before and after the game have, you know, go out for food and drinks, wherever. And listen, like, they're the punching bag of the NHL. And it seems like such a simple fix. Just build the rink downtown. Have some stable ownership, like, for years and years, we've heard all these horror stories, whether they couldn't pay, you know, some of their employees or the bonuses weren't coming in on time, you know, scouting players illegally when they had John Chaka. It's just tire fire story after tire fire story. And Gary Bettman is just th- constantly throw them lifeline after lifeline. And but to your point, Harm, like I still think it could work in the desert. They just got to get that new rink. And that's the thing, though, like th- th- that's my point is. They keep saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to have a plan. We're going to have a plan. When they come up with their plan, eventually and actually have one, it's going to be years until there's actually a rink. You, the, the Utah group has a better plan than a current NHL team. So do the Atlanta Thrashers. Like, Atlanta could work for a third time. And when they first came over from Winnipeg, they used to have – you guys were not, weren't even born yet. They used to have these crazy, you know um, – playoff series where the fans would all show up in the white they do the white out and that building was rocking and they have the yotes uh howling sound drop coming in you know i had some good players like keith kachuk jeremy roenick of course but yeah it's just it's such an embarrassment and then of course they got the college rink which by all accounts seems like a good atmosphere but then you remember there's junior teams that have bigger rink sizes than that it was also yeah. sad covering the game that I did in that 2021-22 season where that was Oliver Ekman Larson's first game back in Arizona after having spent his entire career up to that up to the point of that trade there and he'd been a captain he'd been their franchise defenseman he'd been an elite player for quite a long time before dropping off the last couple of years the building wasn't even close to being sold out it was like 50% capacity and I'd I'd argue at least 40 to 50% of the fans in attendance were Canucks fans. So that to me was immediately pretty embarrassing. Well, that's the thing too. Like you see that in Florida where you get the snowbirds coming down from Ontario, the Eastern seaboard um, filling the arena for the opposition's fans. You know, a lot of Canucks fans will go down, they'll do the California, they'll do Vegas, they'll do Arizona, but then you got to factor in, Oh, well, I'm staying somewhere downtown. Now I got to go drive 40 plus minutes outside. You have to take an Uber and all that. It's just, it's just another wrinkle that might dissuade fans from, you know, purchasing tickets and actually showing up. This one from Logan Van Dyke in the chat. It's too late now. They've had 25 years to make it work and have failed entirely. Move the coyotes. Now it is too late. Like uh, we're talking about, Oh, they just have to come up with a plan. No, it's too late. It's too late. Your plan isn't going to go into motion. Your shovels aren't going to hit the ground for years. It's too late. It's too damn late for the Arizona Coyotes and the NHL need to step in. They've needed to step in for the past five years, but they haven't. And you can probably make an argument that they should have uh, had to step in long before that. So anyway, speaking of the Coyotes, there's another one I wanted to bring up, Harm. Uh, the Canucks poking around on Phil Kessel per our pal Rick Dollywall, acquired by Rutherford back in Pittsburgh. He was vital to those cup wins, obviously. And hey, Nick Bonino was recently made available, so you got him too. Uh, the Canucks poking around on Phil Kessel. 
Uh, not sure what Carl Hagelin's up to, but hey, maybe you can go get him. Uh, Kessel won the cup with Vegas, only played four games in the whole playoffs, but you know, he's a cup winner last year, but hasn't played in eight months. Your reaction to this? Yeah, so I trust management to make the right call here. They are, of course, really familiar with Phil Kessel. So is Rick Tockett. It's interesting watching him last season because he scored 36 points, I believe had 14 goals, despite averaging less than 13 minutes per night. So he's still somebody that's been able to produce points at an efficient rate. The problem is when Kessel was on the ice at five on five in the regular season last year, the Golden Knights surrendered 3.1 goals against per hour at five on five, which was by far the highest rate of Golden Knights forward. So the question is, does Kessel bring enough to the table offensively to offset the defensive losses that you're probably going to get when he's playing? Uh, he's definitely slowed down. I mean, his skating and sort of inability to forecheck, it's it's interesting. My initial thought from those aspects would have been, how is he going to fit with the way Rick Tockett wants to play? But again, this is kind of where I trust um, management coaching to be familiar enough with the player to make the right call. And it's funny because Tockett loves Kessel. He's been known as the Kessel whisperer in Pittsburgh when he was an assistant. And of course, when Tockett was um, a head coach in Arizona, I'm sure that was a big reason why the Coyotes went out and acquired Kessel in the first place. So I'll, I'll put it this way. I wouldn't hate it if the idea is just that, okay, we're going to have Kessel's extra forward depth. Um, he's going to be in and out of the lineup. He's insurance in case of injuries especially once you consider the intangibles, the cup experience, him being such a lovable guy in the locker room. But I wouldn't bank on him being a lock as an everyday top nine forward. You'd have to think he's a power play specialist, right? Like, like he's got to be on that power play if, if he's coming to Vancouver. And you'd have to move forward. Like, you'd assume that a forward is going to get moved if Bill Kessel comes in. Another thing that Dolly Wall said that kind of relates to all of this is that the Canucks are done with their big fish hunting for the most part. Like we knew they weren't going to go get Jake Gensel or anything like that, but also said they are not interested in Frank Vetrano. Dollywell said that he makes too much money for the Canucks liking. So interesting reporting uh, coming from Dollywell there. Just on Kessel quickly. I remember we were talking about a couple months back when Kuzmenko was still on the roster. And I think the point was you would have to then shelter him and there wouldn't be, you know, you couldn't really trust them with defensive matchups. So if you can't do it with Kuzmenko, then you can't really do that with Kuz, uh, Kessel. Well, now that Kuzmenko's out uh, out the window, Kessel's a free asset. And I've seen some people throw it out. Well, just give him a an ATO down with Abbotsford. I don't think Phil Kessel is signing with the Canucks on an ATO. He's going to go to an NHL suitor that can pretty much guarantee him, you know, top nine minutes. And... I don't think the Canucks can really do that right now unless you're kind of moving around pieces in your top six. He's not going to play on your third line. Sure, maybe the fourth line, but then again, you have Hoglander there and you're just going to end up blocking, you know, his pathway. Are you going to then take a Neil Zaman or a Sam Lafferty out of the lineup? I just, sure, the, the acquisition cost is free, but you also have to think, like, who is he taking out here? This one from Kamesh in the YouTube live chat. If Kuzi doesn't fit, how is Kessel going to fit? And it's a good point. It's a, it's a very, very valid exactly. point. I, However, I don't know, though, the like, thing about... Talkit knows yeah. them. Rutherford and Alvin know him. So there's familiarity with the player. 
if they've sure. gotten be able to got through them in the past they can probably do it again now it's a bit different because kessel was you know pretty much at the top of his game when they won those stanley cups playing on that third line with Haglin and Benino. Now, you know, it's just it's just kind of a weird fit to me. I don't think I don't think Kessel makes it taking anybody out makes them a better team. Like I don't think yeah. Kessel is an upgrade and- on anybody in the lineup. But this this is a good comment here. Um this one from Jeremy Lee. I won't even know how Kessel will replace anyone in the lineup, but as a healthy scratch or a mentor in practice, he'll be nice. You look at cup sure. experience. Yeah, Ian Cole's the only one. Phil Kessel was on that same team, so he'd be joining uh, and, you know, bringing some cup-winning experience as well with him. And to that point, like, the ice shrinks in the playoffs. It becomes, you know, big boy hockey. Does Phil Kessel embody big boy hockey? He might with a couple hot dogs in him, but, man, oh, man, like, for checking and finishing his checks, that does not scream Phil Kessel. I think he'll, no. he's going to go somewhere where he can actually make an impact. I just don't see that impact in Vancouver. One thing that is worth noting is before the season started, I think he made it pretty clear that he's fine with being a part-time player uh, with the idea that he doesn't need to play 82 regular season games like he did last season. So that makes it, I think, at least a a possibility as opposed to if he was in a situation where because of the Ironman streak or whatnot, he wants to be an everyday player. Like that just wouldn't make any sense. That would be a non-starter. But him at least being open to the idea that I'm fine if I'm in the press box, that at least makes it um, something you can consider. Because I agree, right now, when you look at the forward group, I don't think he slots in over anybody, but you don't know what injuries you're going to get down the stretch or, or into the playoffs. So as insurance, as extra depth, yeah, even though yeah. even though I, I don't think the stylistic fit is perfect by any means, I mean, I guess you you could do a lot worse than, than Kessel as you're like 13th or 14th, maybe even 15th forward free asset. Yeah, That's also got to be considered, right? You don't have to pay anything to give them up. Yeah. It's depth. It's depth. Uh, okay. This one from Chris, Chris M in the chat here, who would Betway have as the best odds to be the next Canucks trade target. Those odds aren't available to us, but I would say probably Nikita Zadorov, right? Like, like most likely to be traded. If you're only looking at NHL rosters, Nikita Zadorov, I'd say. The question is, who would Betway have as the best odds to be the Canucks? Oh, the ne- excuse me. Yeah, excuse me. I, I interpreted yeah, yeah. the other way. Next trade target. Okay, I was thinking who you would sell. Okay, who would, you, who would be the best odds to be the Canucks next buying trade target? I don't know. I don't have one up now. I guess because of all the Tanev rumors, people would have that. But Tanev is yeah. going to be expensive. That's the yeah. problem that I keep uh, running into. On that same note, Harm, I don't know if you saw this from Sarah Volley reported this today. Uh, the asking price for Nick Dowd, did you see this, is a first-round pick. Yeah, he's got term left on him. Well, he's hang on. He's got term, but let's remember he's still Nick Dowd. Like, this is this is de- yeah. def- defense first forward. And obviously, look, this isn't the same Nick Dowd that way back when the Canucks acquired in exchange for Jordan Subban from the LA Kings. This is not the same player. This definitely is not the same player. <laughs> He's much better now, but I'm bringing it up in the sense of, man, you look at what the Canucks got Elias Lindholm for and how they got ahead of the market. And as we continue to progress toward the trade deadline and what teams are asking for, for centers and what we saw the Winnipeg Jets give up to get Sean Monaghan, man, it looks like the Canucks were very, very wise to get ahead of the market and set the market the way that they did. Yeah. And you have to keep in mind that, so Dowd, he's an, he's, he's an elite fourth line center. 
that's what he is. He can probably bump up to a 3C role in a pinch. Uh, elite defensive metrics, wins a lot of draws, excellent on the PK. He's a totally different player than the one we saw in Vancouver all those years ago. And Lars Eller, for reference, as a rental, went for a second-round pick last year, and Eller really wasn't producing much of anything offensively. So with that in mind, I mean, considering the extra year of term as well that you get with Dowd at, what, $1.3 million, you could you could probably argue that his market value could be a second-round pick. But you're right. I mean, somebody like an Adam Henrique, for example, could now be worth a first-round pick just because there's a lack of impact forwards, especially if Jake Gensel's unavailable uh, and seeing what Monaghan went for. And that would be, like, I would hate to give up a first for Henrique if a first plus, you know, an asset could have, just gotten me Elias Lindholm because there's a pretty big difference between Lindholm and Henrique. Brian Choi, maybe we can trade him on for a first round pick. Maybe Nils Amon can go get you that first. Do you think they go into the playoffs with Nils Amon playing that fourth line role down the middle? I was listening to Rossi Fever. And this is a really interesting kind of conversation to have. They threw out the idea. I think it was Jackson that threw it out. Jackson McDonald threw it out. Uh, he threw out the idea of Elias Lindholm eventually centering that third line instead mm-hmm. of Teddy Bluger. And Teddy yeah. Bluger presumably goes down to your fourth line. You're also assuming that the Canucks will get somebody else to play in the top six. I don't know if I would go with Lindholm per se. Like, I, I think you're going to have other options. I think maybe Pia Suter is the guy who bumps yeah. down. But I was thinking about the Amon conversation. I was thinking by the playoffs, Nils Amon is probably just deaf. Like, I don't think yeah. Nils Amon is playing games I think so. as your fourth line center, and, unless you're having some sort of injury problems. And the management group knows that. And they do have lots of guys on the team. Now that's what I liked about the Lindholm uh, acquisition so much is that they have an abundance of guys who can play down the middle. And if that third line does slow down here, then you can maybe shake it up. But for the time being, like how could you possibly break up Joshua Bluger and Garland? Yeah, exactly. You just think about long-term and like, you know, if it goes south and you need to make a quick adjustment in the playoffs, you have that flexibility and there's so much, so much versatility with Elias Lindholm. Especially with those that matters a lot. strong side, weak side draws when you want your right-hand centerman to take the draw. So yeah, they, they got options, which is nice. Dowd is an example that show that the previous Canucks development staff sucked. Chatfield, Forsling, Dowd are quick ones that he lists. Uh, hey, what's Jay yeah, Beagle I mean, up to? Yeah, I mean, you look at the development staff, sure, there, there's fingers to be pointed there. But also, like, Chatfield was pretty recent. And I think Chatfield would excel. Like, here, here's the take I had watching the Carolina game, Harm, that I didn't even bring up on the show, is... Noah Juleson right now is what Jalen Chatfield could have been if Jalen Chatfield was with the Canucks with this coaching staff. That's yeah. my take. Yeah, fully agree. They're yeah. and they're pretty similar players in that they're, I mean, Juleson's bigger. Chatfield's probably a bit better of a skater, but they both play a simple style, don't have the flashiest puck skills. Um, and if they play in an environment where the team around them is pretty good, yeah. then their puck puck skills are passable as opposed to if they're on a bad team then their their ability to move the puck is going to be a problem but both hard-nosed uh defensively responsible um and yeah i mean chatfield as well that that year we saw him quite a bit in the 56 game all canadian year 
he wasn't very good. He was fine at times, but let's be honest, nobody looked at him and went, this guy needs to be part of the blue line future. But then he goes to Carolina and he's a fan favorite there. It's I, I fully agree with your take there. Yeah, look and it's look like look, I tweeted out. Look who he gets to play with in Carolina versus that bubble team that year, right? Like, you know, daily face off has him with Orlov. I can't quite remember who he's with the other night, but Slavin, Brady Shea, Orlov on your left side to pair him with. Much better than, you know, what did they have during the bubble? Nate Schmidt, Alex Edler. It's it's apples and oranges comparison. Okay, back on Phil Kessel. People are having some fun with this in the chat. Nar said, Japadog is following this story closely. Jeremy Lee said, somebody tell him Costco is right next door too. You can go get his free game hot dogs. Like our pal Chris Faber. He's, uh, you, you know, I, I got to tell I'm sorry, Faber, to put you on blast. Faber will like snap me, like send me a picture at like 10 in the morning. And it's like him in line to get a Polish dog at 10 in the morning. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how you're putting those down at that time. Wow. That's way um, too early. Imagine, way too early. Imagine the content that we would get if the Canucks signed Kessel and they could do like a Faber and Phil go to Costco skit. <laughs> oh my God. That would go viral. Canucks, Canucks in cars, but it's just the drive yeah. down Expo Boulevard. <laughs> yeah, they're just. Yeah, we're going to park. We're going to park right here. Sponsorship with Costco. They're just feeding them $1.50 dogs. Oh man. Okay. Uh, do we have anything else here? before we uh get to our betway bet of the day which folks yesterday's bet yesterday's bet i told you i don't pick the vibes people everybody got mad at me for picking the leafs i don't pick the vibes the vibes were telling me that the leafs were going to win that game and sure enough they take down the dallas stars by a final score of five to four hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Okay, here we go. Uh, this one from Chris M as well. How long will the Nikita Zdorov extension be after he elbows Marshawn in the face tonight? We could have some. We could have some hot Nikita Zdorov takes coming down, uh, coming down the pipeline, harm if something happens tonight with Zdorov and Marshawn. Well, did you see that Pospisil got a two-year extension in Calgary? <laughs> what? Are you serious? I'm serious. He got a two-year extension. Yeah, right the Dude. day after. That is that is literally two Brian Bergstein, Kevin Bieksa beat the doors off that guy and give him the call. That is amazing. That yeah. is okay. Well, 
yeah, now you know what you're working toward, Nikita Zadorov, because if you do the same thing, uh, you're in that same boat. Okay, this one from Nick Walker. Are the Canucks Canada's least popular NHL team? This is interesting, Harm. This is an interesting conversation to have because one thing we've talked about this season is I feel like every NHL fan base over the past 10 years has just felt bad for the Canucks. Like, there's no animosity toward the Canucks, but now you're starting to see the villain status be reached again. And, you know, I I went off about it a couple of weeks ago about the, the national media telling Canucks fans not to get cocky, telling Canucks fans how to cheer. Like, get out of here, first of all. But you're starting to see it. You're starting to see the Canucks be villains again. I think they're still third most disliked in Canada because Leafs are always going to be number one. Everybody outside of Ontario yeah. wants to see the Leafs fail. And number two, oh. yeah, you, you want to jump in there? Well, no, no, no. I, I, I think you're on to something. But I'm also thinking about the sheer number of Canadians that are actually Leafs fans. As much as we hate to admit it, I'm True. also taking that into consideration. Yeah, and that's, that's, a good point. that's why I'm saying that I don't look among other NHL fan bases. Absolutely. Absolutely. The Leafs are the most hated, but they do probably still have the most fans of any NHL team in Canada. So uh, go on, go on. Cause you had another one there. Who's your other team? Edmonton flames fans, for example, will always want to see Vancouver do well rather than Edmonton. Plus with it's the same sort of thing. Other fan bases, I think want to see teams with superstar talent um, like when you have the Matthews, Marner, Tavares, core, you just want to see him fail. And much in the same way, yeah. I think there are a lot of Canadian fans that want to see a team with McDavid and Drysaddle that many believe are poorly constructed outside of those guys. They want to see him fail and, and not get their cups. I was, I, I thought you were going to go Montreal just because of how, how many cups they won and how the sheer dominance they had in the seventies. And then the whole French factor as well. And just kind of the, the pride behind that but um yeah it's definitely not ottawa or winnipeg I'll, i can tell you that or even this Calgary. one from nick nick p toronto is both the most and least popular team and i think that is a good way to put it Corey anderson myers blasted duncan keith and we still wanted to drive him out of town i digress <laughs> people the love first, myers for that for a bit the first media availability that we had and this was when they were still at the podium so it was on camera i wasn't even standing near tyler myers he was sitting at a podium the first press conference we had, I asked Myers if he had if he was expecting any extra love for the hit he made on Duncan Keith in the home opener. And sure enough, Myers played it, downplayed it a bit. He's like, oh no, like I wasn't even thinking about it, blah, blah, blah. People wanted to build a statue of Myers after that hit. And sure enough, I was at the home opener that year, folks. It was loud. It was very loud in Rogers Arena when they introduced Tyler Myers. It was very, very loud. I think the the loudest it had been. Um the loudest it had been for Tyler Myers at any point during his Vancouver Canucks tenure. Okay. Do we have anything else uh, in the chat? Anything you wanted to get to harm uh, before we wrap up here? Uh, no, there wasn't anything off the top of my head, unless there's something else in anyone uh, in anyone else that pops out to you. Okay, here we go. Got one for you. Seven street dream. We'll close it on this one. What would you target for depth? A savvy vet or younger bounce back guys that you can maybe keep after lots of our depth leave over the summer, in brackets, he said, I like Texier in Columbus. It's a good question. I haven't dug, honestly, too deep into depth targets yet. Um, Texier is interesting. He He's somebody that's sort of fallen out of favor a little bit in Columbus, but he's 
he's a winger, right? And he's more of like the speedy, good forechecking, um, can help on the penalty kill type. Of course, we saw that um, when Vancouver Columbus played because he scored a shorthanded goal as well. He's a good player, and I think he'd fit well with the Canucks, but I, I don't know. Do, do the Canucks need another bottom six winger? I, I sort of like the 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 way their bottom six wings look right now. And I wouldn't want to see somebody like Hoaglander come out for a Texier. So uh, I don't know, maybe just another depth defenseman I think would be, would be nice is, is what I'm kind of leaning towards. And and with that, I, I wouldn't mind a rental. Honestly, I, I don't think that there are a lot of younger bounce back type guys. The, the younger bounce back type guys are like the Eric Brandstrom's, the PO Joseph's more of the puck moving types. Um, at least in terms of players falling out of favor that look really obvious. There was reports out of uh, this one's actually coming from a Philadelphia reporter from what I saw about Rasmus Ristolainen uh, with Toronto and Vancouver. And this one was brought up by the history of propaganda in the YouTube chat here. So maybe I should be careful reading this one on air, but uh, I did see the reports as well. I, I, I don't even want to say reports. It was one reporter and not to discredit the reporter or anything, but like, you know, not many followers and he's from Philadelphia. So not to discredit it at all. Um, I, it was just one report is what I saw. I haven't seen anything else about it. Uh, linking Toronto and Vancouver to Rasmus Ristolainen. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I think if they go out and do that, they're kind of cornering the market on number five defenseman. Like I think yeah. Susie is playing better. Oh, you, you agree with me? Yeah. Susie's playing better, but he's a, he's a five, six uh, Zadora have five, six. Tyler Myers, 5'6". And I'm not talking about their heights, of course, but yeah, I just don't know, you know, what what are you moving out to make that work? Because I just don't think right now that's the move to go out and make. The contract also doesn't make sense. He is on a $5.1 million AAV through the 2026-27 season. So I don't want to pay that for a guy who's been averaging under 17 minutes a night in Philadelphia, even though Ristolainen has bounced back a little bit. He's doing it in a third pair role. I'm not paying $5.1 million for a third pair defenseman. Yeah, I think, it, it, again, we, someone asked us to read it. We had to read it. It was a report out there. It doesn't make sense. Uh, again, that's the thing, though, is it doesn't make sense right now. What are you doing to make it make sense if they out, go out and do it? But interesting thing to watch uh, as we go. Okay, game predictions for tonight. Kamesh is asking in the YouTube live chat here. Uh, actually... I'll give mine and Harmon. I know you're probably just going to want to ride with me on this one. So I won't make you give a prediction. Well, let's get to our Betway bet of the day where we have a bet about tonight's game. Yep. The Vancouver Canucks to take down the Boston Bruins, a win in any fashion, a $10 bet at plus plus one fifteen odds will return you $21 and 50 cents over on Betway. It must be 19 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly folks. The vibes are telling me that tonight, is a lock. Hate to use that word three days in a row, but folks, it's been working. It's been working. I called the Islanders. I called the Leafs tonight. I am calling those Vancouver Canucks. And to remind everybody, Ilya Mikheyev scores the first goal. But we'll close it out there for my co-host, Harmon Dial. My name is Dave Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads brought to you by the Toyota BZ4X. The BZ4X's fresh look is just an added bonus to its range since you can drive up to 406 kilometers on a single charge. That's enough to get you from Kitsilano to Whistler or Kamloops to Kelowna and back and still be home in time for the game. Now that's what we'd call electric. The best part, by choosing electric, you can get up to $11,000 in rebates and incentives 
The BZ4X are in stock and selling quickly, so make sure to visit shoptoyota.ca or your local Pacific Toyota dealer to get your hands on one. Canucks Conversation is live Monday through Friday, every weekday at 2 p.m. over on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. Make sure you like, subscribe, and interact in the YouTube live chat every day with us, folks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 